Welcome to the Real Estate Ventures Podcast. In this podcast, we will be speaking with various real estate and business professionals about real estate investing, entrepreneurship, and financial freedom. So, if you're interested in learning about real estate investing, then stay tuned and be sure to take advantage of the free tips and strategies that will be shared by our weekly guests. And now, your host, Penny Lubinsky. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real Estate Ventures Podcast. I'm your host, Penny Lubinsky. Today, we have an awesome guest by the name of Brian. I'm not sure if I'm getting his last name right, Hemet Dinger, but he'll be able to correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> and um, yeah, Brian, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us first what your name is, how to pronounce it, and then afterwards, you can tell us a little bit about your bio and what led you into real estate. So welcome. Oh, thank you, Penny, and thanks for having me. And you did pretty well. It's Hemmedinger. Brian Hemmedinger. So yeah, you just sounded it out. That's the way to go. There we go. Yeah. So a little bit about my bio. So I actually, I started my career as an adult, let's say my professional career actually as an actor. So I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and then moved to New York, New York. So where, you know, not too far from where you are and was living in New York, going to grad school and ultimately pursuing acting for about 10 years working some of the time, not working a lot of the time. And I got to a point where I had recently gotten married to my wife, who's still my wife, thankfully. And I was $95,000 in debt. I was making about 30, $30,000 a year, 30 to $35,000 a year, partially as an actor, partially just doing some other things. And I just decided that my priorities needed to shift because creating some financial stability became more important to me. That didn't really lead me into real estate, but it did lead me into business. So I actually, I got a, a job as a salesperson for an upscale fitness brand. And from there, I did really well and just built that career over the course of 15 and a half years. I'm still with that company now and have been in a variety of sales and leadership roles and ultimately at one point overseeing 30 locations for sales specifically and have developed through that time just a lot of confidence as a leader, a lot of business skills. And about five years ago or so, I got to the point where I think a lot of people sometimes get to at a certain point in their career where you recognize that you've been working really hard for a really long time. And then you start to think a little bit farther ahead because you think about, okay, where is this really leading? Where is this going? And that's, that's the point that I hit about five years ago. And I realized that I had been working and I had been doing a pretty good job in terms of earning, but in terms of investment, I really didn't know much about what we were doing. I was investing in our 401k or my 401k, we were investing in a, in a stock bonds type portfolio, but I didn't really have a lot of knowledge about investing. I've just been focused on working. And that's where I'd, financial education became more important to me. And that's really what led me to real estate because I just fell in love over the course of a, of a few years of really studying and just learning a little bit more about money and, and investments I just fell in love with real estate and multifamily specifically in terms of this idea of being able to invest in a physical asset that produces cash flow and have that combination of cash flow and appreciation 
And it, I related to it a lot coming from the fitness club business too, because in multifamily, I just, it made sense because I saw it as a business, you buying a business that is currently producing a certain level of profitability and then being able to recognize where that, where those operations could be improved and ultimately making it more profitable, making it more valuable. That just made sense to me. So all of that led to about a year ago, I joined a community called Jake and Gino, which is a mentorship coaching program specifically for multifamily. And that's what really got me in much deeper into actually not just studying, but starting to take action, starting to do network a lot more, learn a lot more. And then about... I guess maybe four or five months ago within that really pivoted to focus specifically on capital raising. So I joined another group, Hunter Thompson's group called Raise Masters. And that's really been my focus for about the last four or five months has been on the capital raising side of the business. Okay, excellent. So thank you for that. There's a lot to dive into. The first thing I want to dive into is not real estate related um, acting. I was told once that to, to be a successful actor, like all these Hollywood, the big stars, like the big thing that they all have in common is a phenomenal memory. They're able to remember lines very well. Is that something that like, am I right with that? Or, or was that not true? Like what, what are your <laughs> thoughts coming from that industry? Well, I don't think I have a phenomenal memory. <laughs> However, yeah. I never did have an issue memorizing lines. And I, and I think the reason for that is the, the beauty about acting is, and, and maybe you can relate to this, and maybe you've got something in your life that is like this, but the beauty about acting is you become so absorbed in what you're doing that everything else just goes away. And I think the reason why lines aren't that difficult to memorize, maybe for, maybe for most actors, is because you're so present and you understand the story and you understand everything that's happening with the character. So the lines actually make sense, even when they're written, particularly when they're written well, when it's a well-written play or story or whatever it might be, it just makes sense. It's almost like that's what you want to say. Right, you're living it. So it makes sense to say it. And th that's interesting. That's a cool concept. That's something I never realized, but essentially they don't really even feel like they're acting. You're saying it's more just like they're living it right now. So it's easy for them to remember it and say those lines and, and, and it'd be at the top of their heads. Yeah, I would say that's that's the goal. That's the place you want to get to. Right. And I, I can't say that I was always there because there's this whole, just like life, you sometimes get in your head, right? And you start thinking about, okay, what am I doing? How is this looking? How is this coming across? You start getting in your head and that's not where you want to be. You want to have, be a, have a level of focus and relaxation such that you're completely absorbed in what you're doing. And in that, in that sense, I feel like you're able to, you know, even if you've just done the scene a few times, rehearsed it a few times, and even if you don't get the lines exactly right, it's almost like they're coming to you because you've done enough of the work and you're absorbed enough in the story that it just makes sense. Okay, got it. Interesting. Very good. Okay, that was that was my main question about acting. Now we can pivot and talk. I about love talking about acting. We can talk about acting. <laughs> Why don't we just make day. a whole podcast about acting and that's it? Um, anyways, okay, so. It sounds like you found success in um, the healthcare industry with sales and, and sales management and all that kind of stuff. Um, you were at the time investing in your 401k, which you mentioned was mostly stocks and bonds. Um, now you sort of saw the light, so to speak, and now you're getting more interested in real estate. I'm curious to hear from you, like, how would you compare? They're obviously probably the two biggest investment vehicles that people are using to build their wealth stocks versus real estate, the ongoing argument, like 
is one better than the other? What is the difference? And like, what are your thoughts on that? You've done, you've done, you know, stocks and they are pivoting to real estate. What's your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are, first of all, real estate simply just makes more sense to me. So the most of the stock investing that I've done has been in index funds. Okay. And, you know, when you read a lot of the finance books, that's oftentimes what they recommend because the, the story is that typically index funds do not or perform as well or better than picking individual stocks, right? Very difficult to pick stocks and win in the long term, especially if you don't have a great level of experience doing that. So that's what I've been doing was mainly index funds. So in terms of, of comparing the two, real estate to me, when I think about it long-term, and I do think about it long-term, you know, especially as we, as we encounter this period of time where, we, where who knows what's gonna happen with inflation, but it certainly makes sense to me that we're going to see some significant inflation. And real estate is a physical asset. I know that people are always gonna need a place to live, I know that particularly in markets that are in demand, there's a limited amount of land. And in many cases, housing itself is constrained. So I believe in the supply and demand within real estate. And I know that as inflation, as inflation rears its head, rents go up. I mean, as rents have been going up in, in most markets over the past you know, several years, but rents go up. So it's a nice hedge against inflation. So the main thing is it just makes more sense to me. Can I say that it's a better investment in the long term? I think that really depends on the person. And that depends on what the person wants. So like I said before, I love the idea with real estate that you see cash flow during the time that you hold the real estate, in addition to most times seeing appreciation. And that you're using that cash flow to also pay down the debt. So the leverage aspect, there's just so many things about it that I believe in. Yeah, no, and that's amazing. And I, I feel like everything you just said, like you just like explained real estate, like in a, in a very like simple to understand kind of way, because the answer is the truth is like, nobody can say which one's better and nobody can say, you know, which one is a better investment vehicle for each person. And that's for each person to dive into and decide. But as far as like, logic is concerned and as far as like being able to wrap your head about around something it, real estate is a pretty easy to understand concept it, it really is it's not very hard it's it's a little bit more difficult to to actually implement but to, uh, because you know the, it, there's a lot of competition and finding the right deal and everything but the actual concept is not very complicated to understand and i see like why that you know resonated with you and, and why that's that's kind of drawing you so that, that that's kind of interesting um, I'd like to touch on a little bit. You're, you're doing this while you have a full-time job, obviously, and, and you're quite successful and, and it sounds like quite busy in your full-time job. Um, what, like, how, how does that work? Like, how does that, like, as far as like time management, um, you obviously putting in a lot of hours in the nine to five. Is it really nine to five? Is it more than nine to five? And then how are you finding time to build really a business on the side? It's, it sounds like more than a full-time job. Um, and you're also married. So, you know, balancing all that, I'm just curious as far as like time management is concerned, how does that work? Yes, it has been an ongoing part of this journey really. And it's been one of the best things about the journey is learning all that stuff. Cause I had never really built a business before. 
I have, I'm also a certified coach and I do some coaching, but I never really put a lot of effort into that as an actual business and building that business. It's just, I would have clients here and there type of thing. So in terms of the time, you know, first off my, my full-time job, I actually really love my full-time job and I love the company that I work for. So I'm deeply invested in it. And I know that that can be different for some people. Some people's motivation getting into real estate is to get out of their full-time job and they really don't like it. And the pain of that is like the main motivating factor. Right, right. And, And maybe they are okay with not being as emotionally invested in their full-time role. They're more emotionally invested in getting out of it. And I'm not really there. So for me, that's been a lot of the balancing act is asking myself on a daily basis, how do I actually show up like fully for my full-time job for that team and be fully invested in that while also building a business? And that's been the, the thing I've been navigating over the past year or so. And what I found is that most of the real estate work that I do is more so at night sometimes in the morning, but more so at night. Oftentimes I'm able to maybe schedule one thing during the day, maybe one meeting or something like that during the day and and then doing some work on the weekends. And the good thing about what my life is, yes, I'm married and, but we don't have any kids. And I know for a lot of people, that's another, that's like a whole nother layer of time, right? Having kids and especially taking them to games and this and that. And I don't have that element. So it's important for me to carve out time to spend with my wife and spend quality time together. Because if we don't actually carve out time to do that, then I could very well just get caught up in working on real estate stuff. And get, I leave you know, in the morning, usually before she's even awake, <laughs> then come back at night. And if I'm engaged in real estate stuff, it might be we might have like a two minute conversation for the whole day if, if that's what it is. So I do have to be cautious of that, but that's mainly, mainly what I've been finding. And the, the main tool that I've found for this is, is really two things. One, doing a setup every week, I call it setup for success. And I got that from a, a coach that I work with named Luke Wren. So setup for success where I map out the entire week and what the top three to four outcomes are for the week. And then each day, what the top three outcomes are for each day, and then use that as my guide every day. And then mapping out the day, putting everything on the calendar that the actual blocks of time that I want to spend focused on certain things. So for example, if I am going to spend an hour during the day focused on real estate, for example, right now, I've just been finishing up the website and I've been working with a developer, so I'm not building it myself, but what I'll do is I'll block out say 45 minutes or an hour to go through the beta site, get the feedback down, send the feedback to the developer, just block out that time to do that. And that's been extremely helpful in terms of just getting the maximum amount done in a day. If I don't have that time blocking, then I feel like the time just doesn't get focused in any specific direction. It's really left to chance. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And like, I love that idea. First of all, you know, with the time blocking and then also mapping out your week. So, you know, your main objectives of the week. And I feel like being very mindful in setting up your schedule, because I'm going through the same thing. I actually, a lot of things you just said, I can resonate, resonate with me and I can relate with a, I'm in a nine to five job that I actually do value and I do respect and I do want to continue giving it my all. And then B, the challenge of time management and figuring out a way to navigate through all that. 
So definitely like being extremely mindful about how we're setting up the week, how we're setting up our schedules. That is so important um, to, you know, being able to, to navigate through the week and be as most productive as possible on all these different fronts. And then, uh, but another thing I just want to touch on that I actually heard from Brandon Turner at the Dealmakers live meetup, which was, I think, um, last year's meetup actually. And he mentioned that when he's blocking out time for the week, like when he's making his schedule for the week, he is also blocking out personal time. Meaning he's not just saying, okay, three to four, I have a business meeting, four to five, I have a business meeting, five to six, and then the rest will go personal. He is actually specifically blocking out personal time. And I love that. I love that he said that. Like, it means that his time with his wife, with his family or vacations, like that is also a priority. It's not like if there's leftover time, then we do that. Because I feel like having your own personal time to spend with your family, with your loved ones, like that is also important in your success. Like you need to rest up, you need to breathe, you need to have a little bit of a social life or, or do some hobbies, things that you enjoy. So like, I just, I think the, the idea of time blocking and setting your schedule ahead of time is very important, but I just wanted to throw in that little extra piece from Brandon Turner that he's specifically time blocking for the personal things too, which I thought was, was really cool. Um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and there's two things on that. One is for me, the morning, like the first, basically the first three hours of my day is a very specific routine, including a workout typically that is time that is rarely interrupted because it's so early in the morning. I mean, starting at 445 right. in the right. morning. So it's like how much stuff is actually going to get scheduled there. Right. And, and that's been such a powerful thing to have that and to take control of that morning time. So I highly encourage anyone, and they may not be able to take three hours, I get it, but even a half hour, you know, blocked out in the morning. And the, the other thing I was going to say, well, actually it's a, related to something else you said. Oh, I know what I was going to say. As a coach, this is one of the things I've noticed as a coach, because I work with, when I'm coaching is, is mostly business leaders or entrepreneurs or business owners. And that very thing that you just talked about in terms of that personal time is probably the number one thing that we end up working on in someone's business. Because in order for people to be effective in their business, they need to be able to show up with the highest level of energy and presence and clarity. And that typically is only going to happen if they're taking care of the fundamentals like blocking out time for themselves, spending time with their family, getting enough sleep, all those things. So that ends up to be the thing that we work on the most. But I have a question for you, if that's okay. Oh, sure. Definitely. Hey, I <laughs> so love that. I get about... questions. I'm the one asking questions. But hey, I'll take a question. Well, when you were talking about working full-time, you know, at a job that you're, that you're invested in and that you value, and then working on real estate, we have identities, right? We often identify with what we do for work. And I'm curious and for you in terms of, Within your sphere of, of, the, of the work that you do, how much of the real estate investor identity you've been able to incorporate into the job and with the people that you work with? Like how much of that you've been able to bring in just as part of who you are, how much awareness there is that that's something that you're working on, et cetera? Uh, that's a good question. I've been actually like, I've been toying around with like, the ideas of my head of how much I want to mix them or how much I want to try to keep them separate. Um, but for the most part, like, so honestly, I'm working in a family business. Um, and my dad is actually my employer. So he's 
you know, he's also very involved in the real estate that I'm doing on the side. So it was a little different for me because he and, you know, some of my siblings and, and family work in the business as well. So they're quite familiar with what I'm doing in terms of real estate, um, even outside of the nine to five. But um, for the most part, I try not to talk about real estate much during that time. Um, only, and I don't know if this is like, you know, the right perspective or the wrong perspective. I'm just telling you personally, like, I just feel like out of respect for the nine to five that I'm working at, like, I want to try to give that time, you know, as much as possible to, you know, the nine to five mm -hmm. and then try to, at least as, as much as possible, save the real estate for after work hours, um, or weekends. And I just feel like some, like if I were to talk about, even though it's the same people, like it's my dad, it's my brother, it's funny because it's family and they're involved in my personal life. But if I feel like if I would talk to them a lot about real estate during work hours, then I would give off this idea that I'm not really fully invested in the hours that I'm working nine to five. So I do try, can I say that it's perfect and I never do mix them? No, but I definitely do try to separate them um, as much as possible. Um, that's just for, for my perspective. I don't mm -hmm. know if that answered your question. No, it does. It does. Yeah. Because I, that's one of the things that I feel like, because I feel like so many people that are getting into real estate are working a full-time job at the same uh -huh. time. And yeah. I think it's something that people often are challenged with because they, they get concerned. I was concerned, you know, it's been a process for me of talking about real estate to the people that I work with and letting them know what I'm doing. But what I've found is the more that I do, the more that I talk about it, the more that I share with people, the stronger that that identity builds in me. And I've been really, uh, I've been really struck by the level of support that I've had in that. And it's also kind of opened up other people to talk about other passions that they're pursuing, which has helped to strengthen some personal connections. Right, right. So, so are I you, think, are you talking about? talking to people at your work or you're talking about talking to people in general which one are you referring to? talking to people that i work with oh okay all right yeah okay and are you i'm curious like what your thoughts are as far as like are you at all concerned with that like maybe they'll think like that your heart is not in you know your job or your nine to five and you're just you know really just pushing away from that and more into real estate, or are you not concerned about that? Like, how are you making them feel comfortable that you're not just like leaving them, so to speak, and like abandoning them? That's my Yeah. Concern. Well, the way I think that was my concern up front was right. that, hey, if I talk about real estate, if I put it out there on LinkedIn, if I put it on social media, then it's going to look like I'm trying, that I'm not as committed to my job and that I'm trying to get out of it. Right. That was my initial concern. Then as I started to talk more about it and just be open about it. And I, you know, first I talked to, he's not my boss anymore, but I talked to him about it and was just letting him know what I was doing. And some of this, by the way, was happening during COVID. And that kind of left an opening because I'm in Los Angeles, California and fitness clubs were shut down. All right, right. So I was thankfully continuing to work because some other markets were open. And so we were we were kind of pooling resources to help other markets. And then we ended up opening some outdoor clubs here in LA, but it did leave a little bit of an opening to start to, that it that there was almost permission to start to pursue some other things. So that was kind of a nice way to get into it. But what I've found is the more that I talk about it, I think that the people that I work with, for one, they, I think, generally see it as a positive thing 
because they see that I'm invested in growing myself as a business person. And that's only a positive thing for the role that I'm in. And, and as long as the, the, that they feel that I'm showing up every day with the energy and the presence and the commitment to the role, I think ultimately they view it as, as a positive thing because they see me as someone that wants to grow personally and professionally and isn't going to rely on the company to give me that growth. Okay. No, that's, uh, that's a beautiful perspective. And like, I'm really glad you shared that. Cause you literally just explained like everything that like probably everyone's worried about when they start a new venture on their own, but the way you just mapped it out, like you're right, you're working on your personal growth. You're not abandoning them. And um, if anything, it just makes you more respectable. Just, and especially the fact that they see that you're still extremely committed to, to you know, the nine to five or whatever that may be. So that's brilliant. And I, I appreciate you sharing that perspective. Um, I want to talk a little bit about you're coming from a W-2, right? You're an employee, you're going into investing. Is there a difference in terms of mindset, investor mindset versus employee mindset? Like, is that the same thing or is that a big shift in, you know, within you? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's a big shift within me for sure, because up to this point, and again, I think a lot of people can probably relate to this depending on how you grew up and what your influences were. I know for me, my dad worked for the power company in Buffalo, New York for 38 years. His dad worked for that power company. His brother worked for that power company. At the end of 38 years, he was able to retire. He had a pension. And and actually my parents did partner on an apartment building in Buffalo at one point, an eight unit building. But it was very much that that mindset of that idea of you, you go, you get a job, you work that job, eventually you hopefully save enough to retire. And the idea of generating your own income through creating a business was just like something that I didn't necessarily even see as a, as a, a real possibility. I thought that was sort of for other people. Right, right. And so it has been a huge shift and it continues to be a shift. And what I found is that I mean, really the antidote to it is just taking action, just taking one step at a time and just doing, because as I mentioned before, I was studying real estate, reading the books, listening to the podcast, all of that for years before I actually decided to invest in a coaching mentoring program that I knew was going to really be the the catalyst to propel me into action. And I needed that. I needed that. I needed that accountability to do that. I needed the network to do that. And it's every day. That's part of the journey is, okay, what's the next step? What's the next step? And it can feel uncomfortable because it's just different for me. And for a lot of people, it's not for a lot of people. They they started, you know, a business when they were 13 years old, you know, and they're just, they have that entrepreneurial spirit in them. But I think for a lot of people, maybe like me, that they find themselves in their forties and they say, Hey, I want to, I want to create something of my own, but maybe it's a little bit more challenging to adopt to that mindset because we've been in the current situation for so long. And we're trained to think that way too. And I have one more question on this actually, before we move to the final four. Um, do you think like you obviously are coming, you came to this mindset and you're, you're, you're on this awesome journey. Do you think that, okay. Cause most of the world is, are trained to be employees, right? Um, I don't know what percent, but probably over 90% of the world are employees. Um, 
they, do you think that everyone can be an entrepreneur or do you think that it's only for certain people? Um, curious your thoughts on that. I think that everyone has the capability. Okay. okay. I, I just think, I think it is only for certain people that decide this is what they want. So some and people decide, but everyone can do it, you think? I think everybody can do it if they decide. I mean, I think there's always an opportunity. Everybody has something of value to bring, you know, some kind of unique quality, something that they can, that they can bring that, will, that other people will see value in. I, I truly believe that. But there's a level of there's a level of tolerance for uncertainty that I feel like you need to develop if you want to go the entrepreneurial route. Absolutely. And and I'm somebody that honestly I I value certainty, like I value security. So that's part of the journey for me is to let go a little bit of that certainty, that security, and step step in, into the uncertainty a little bit more. And I think a lot of people probably experience that. So I think everybody has the capability, but you have to decide, okay, I'm going to go on a journey here and it's going to be uncomfortable at times, but it's all part of the process. It's all part of the growth. Absolutely. Okay, cool. I agree with that. Um, all right. What is your why? My why really is to create more choice in life. So again, when I, when I got to that place where I realized, oh, I've been working really hard for a really long time and I've been loving what I'm doing, but I realized I do have limitations based on working in a full-time role. And particularly when COVID happened and the clubs shut down while I was, you know, I'm, I'm working in this fitness industry and, and it just shut down. And while I was very grateful to continue to be working, my income was reduced and I realized, wow working for someone else. Like there's some fragility to that. And I realized my choices were limited at that point. So to me, it's about creating freedom of choice to be able to have more freedom to do what I want to do when I want to do it with whom, where to create those options, to be able to create options for greater wealth, to have greater impact, just more choice. It's fantastic. And I love how you like have that like mapped out. Like some people, when you start talking about their why, they start like, you know, trying to figure out on the spot, like, oh, I don't know, maybe this, maybe a little bit of that. But like, I love how like you had that, like very clearly mapped out. Like you obviously have been thinking about that for, for quite some time. So every day, that, that's excellent. That's amazing. What, what would you say is the most influential book that you've read? Mm. Probably, I have it right here. Probably this one. Okay. All right. That's cool. I don't know if we've ever had that on the podcast yet. Okay. So for those that are not watching, he's uh, Think and Grow oh, Rich. Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. By Napoleon Hill. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's a great one. Um, I read it as well. It's fantastic. I think it's a book you have to read more than once in order to like really like reap the benefits. Um, but yeah. that's why it's next to me. Yeah. <laughs> I've read, I've read it several <laughs> times, right. but then I started recently to get in the habit of just reading a little bit of it every day. And then just going back to the beginning, once I finish it again and just reading a little bit of, I just feel like there's so much goodness in there to be absorbed. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. And thank you for not saying rich dad, poor dad, because everyone says that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I remember that from the bigger pockets podcast. Yep. How often every that comes up. <laughs> Anyways, okay, what is the best advice that you would give somebody that wants to get started today? Find help and, and be okay paying for it. 
if that's what's required. You know, you, you hear a lot of advice. And I think what, what this got in my head about find a way to add value to someone else to be able to learn from them. And I was like, what the heck does that mean? Like, <laughs> how do I add value to someone else when I have no experience? Yeah, yeah. You know, find a mentor and find a way to add value to that mentor. And I was like, I was always stuck on that. Like, well, what am I, I, I don't, what am I going to do for them? You know, am I going to like, I, like, I don't know, walk around and take notes for them. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> and being able to, you know, for me, it was just so helpful to be able to make the decision to say, oh, okay, I'm going to find help. I'm going to find a mentor. I'm going to, I'm going to find coaching and I'm okay with paying to get that. Right. Right. So, so essentially that's the value that you're giving them. I struggled with the same question. Yeah. Great right? point. Like, well, like me starting out, like I, I can't do anything in real estate. Like, how am I going to add value to someone that has 1500 units under their belt. Like I can shine their shoes for them, but like, is that the value that they're looking for? But yeah, you're right. Like there's a lot of different ways to, to add value, but the most traditional way right now is through paying them. And you know what? It works. It's value that, that they're accepting, right? They're interested in that, obviously, if they have a mentorship program and you're still being educated. So it's a two-way street. And if it works for both sides, then, Hey, then go for it. Um, all right. What is your favorite hobby outside of real estate? Playing music. So I play some guitar and sing. And it's definitely, that's one of the, when you mentioned scheduling and personal time, that's one of the things that I do schedule into my week, usually on Sundays is just block out at least an hour to play guitar, sing, etc. And I just love it. It's just, it just kind of takes me to a different place. It's usually confined to this very room that I'm in right now usually not something I take outside of this room, Okay. but I just, I love it. All right. That's awesome. And uh, where can people reach you? few ways. So email is Brian, B-R-I-A-N at maybarcapital.com. Maybar is M like Mary, A-E-B-A-R capital.com. Instagram is good at B Hemedinger, H-E-M-E-D-I-N-G-E-R. And LinkedIn is great too. Brian Hemmedinger on LinkedIn should be able to find me there. There's not too many of us. Okay, excellent. You heard it, folks. And Brian, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was really insightful. Um, you really added a ton of value and really interesting conversations. A lot of topics we haven't covered yet on the show, actually. So definitely thanks for that. And looking forward to seeing your success down the road and yeah, staying in touch. Awesome. Thanks, Penny. All right. Take care, man.